Nicole. Hello, I am Earl. And we're the Poisers. <laughs> and this is The Mix-Up. The Mix-Up. This is our first foray into the podcasting world um, as someone who is a self-professed non-podcast listener. Um, it's uh, nice to be here. Yeah, um, I'm the avid podcast listener, um, so, but as far as being on this side of the mic, this is definitely foreign territory for me, um, but yet still, uh, I think it'll be a fun, new, cool adventure to be on, uh, you know, this wave. So, uh, we'll see how this goes, and, um, glad to have whoever's listening out there a part of this uh, new venture and with that you know our names but uh, a little bit of an intro into who we actually are um i am nicole and i work in sports i am a runner i enjoy yoga uh all things golden girls um coffee drinker mets fan winter lover and mom of a three-year-old son mm-hmm. uh i am earl and i'm originally from the number one borough on the planet oh yeah i forgot i'm brooklyn. from the number one borough queens yeah too late sorry um from brooklyn um i'm an avid yankee fan once again the theme is number one oh, um God. new york giants fan uh, I'm not going to brag about that. There's nothing to brag about. Uh, Knicks fan as well. You know nothing how that is. Nothing to brag about neither. Um, yet and still, I remain loyal. Um, that's part of who I am. Um, and I am in the medical field. Uh, not a doctor, not a nurse, anything like that. Um, but I am within that industry. Um, and definitely shout out to all the hardworking uh, doctors, nurses, people in the medical field out there um, working hard to keep us safe within this uh, pandemic that we are all currently living under. Um, and also, I am a first-generation American, uh, parents from Jamaica and Panama, representing. Um, also, the proud father of a three-year-old. Um, that is another adventure that we are a part of. Uh, but it's a fun adventure that we would not trade for anything else in the world. Um, and I also am an avid reader. I almost have, I, you can say, a mini library within our household. And um, I guess one of my problems is learning how to get rid of certain books after I'm done with them. Yes. Because I feel like I'm a pseudo professor that will somehow refer back to them sometime in the future. Yes. But uh, with that said, um, I am passionate and I am a very um, I would say very appreciative of where I am in life. Um and number one on that list is the family that I am currently a part of. Oh, so, that's uh, so sweet. That's who I am. 
I'll keep it I at that. I think we left out, though, a key thing as part of our title, the mix-up, right? I'm Mets, you're Yankees, I'm mm-hmm. Queens, you're Brooklyn, mm-hmm. I'm Coffee, you're Tea. I'm a Tea guy, yes. Um, Goes with my personality, I'm pretty cool, laid-back, chill. Right, right. You know, we've, we've kind of mixed those things in, but I think the bigger piece of the mix-up is that I'm white. Oh yeah, I'm black. <laughs> is that is that it? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm black. black. I'm a black man. Yeah, here in America. <laughs> uh, I figured, you know, y'all could tell by the voice, <laughs> I'm a brother. But uh, anyway, but yes, that is another essential part of the mix um, um, that we are associ- associated with, um, and uh, so. In this world that we're in, um, we have to, of course, navigate and, and 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 understand that that is a huge part of growing up here in America. Race has always been the uh, the integral portion of what it is to be a citizen in America, regardless of how people may want to dodge around it and circumvent it and act like it's not a thing but it has been a thing um ever since um time immemorial so that is who we are um that is what we do not run from and i think that's what helps us work as a couple and as a unit i second that yes (laughs) And I think I think that's a good segue into rolling up how we kind of got here to this moment of deciding to branch out and record this and where the idea was born from and and talk about pandemic life as two full-time employees and parents and living in New York City, which was an epicenter for a very long time of the pandemic, specifically where the neighborhood in which we live um, and how that has affected us individually and as a couple. Um, So I can't believe it's almost been a year that we've been home. Um, and I can't say I'm surprised considering the previous administration's <laughs> complete bungling of uh, COVID response, but here we are. Um, we, my office has been closed for a while. They were open for a little bit on a voluntary basis. Um, I did not go in. I stayed home. Um, our son, Nico, has had been home him out in March of last year and then brought him back to daycare a few times a week in September Mm -hmm. right after Labor Day Um, and we'll get into our reasons for that Um, and so I think for me personally I, I struggled a lot trying to kind of figure out what I was supposed to do because Working from home is one thing. Working from home when you're a parent is another. And 
trying to balance the worlds when they completely collide with each other is uh, a daunting task. And for those parents out there, I know I've heard from a lot of friends who have had this same issue. And you always wonder, am I doing enough for my child in this moment? And, you know, he just turned three, so we were in the stage where he was two and still too young to do a lot on his own, but just old enough to be able to occupy himself for short periods of time. Mm -hmm. And we went back and forth, are we doing enough? Or we, there were a lot of late night conversations of what else do we need to be doing? What should he be learning? Oh my God, what about screen time? And what about us and our mental state? So that's kind of where I was for a while at the start. Yeah, I was in the same place as you. Uh, it's a tricky balance. Um, it's basically a test of, I would say, um, if you guys heard a weird <laughs> farting sound, that was my phone. It was not me. It is a ringtone um, that he uses that so I absolutely on despise. All right, anyway, so um, it was a tricky balance, um, I would say, um, because, like you said, like, we just had to kind of contemplate, like, what was the best for him, um, thinking about his health, his well-being, both mentally and physically. Because at that young, impressionable age, you don't always have the insight on what they're thinking or how they're thinking. They don't even know at that age. Um, so we were just trying to do the best that we could to navigate the situation and make it the best possible circumstance for him. So, you know... And, it, and have to explain to him why he couldn't go see his friends and right, why he couldn't go to right, school and, right, yeah. and why we had to yeah, wear masks. That was the toughest and, part because, you know, at that age um, is when kids are most in need of that social interaction, of getting to know other people, getting to know other kids, especially being that he's an only child. So I think that was even of much more importance for him. Um, so that was the constant tug of war uh, for us to see what was best for him. Um, but, you know, I think what facilitated the ultimate, um, you know, ultimate decision was that it was going to be hard on us doubly hard on us if we kept them home five you know five days a week because well and it was yeah you know because the fact that <laughs> i had to go into work um you know and i still have to go into work occasionally into the office two to three times a week and you have you know several meetings back to back to back and you can't of course dedicate your time and your concentration on the, you know, bouncing off the walls, three-year-old, <laughs> you know, and, you know, that wouldn't be fair to you. And that, of course, um, subsequently wouldn't be fair to him. And so, 
you know, we felt the best course of action at the very least was to um, put him into class three times a week. Um, and, uh, you know, so he'll still be able to get some, you know, good amount of education, some semblance of interaction and education um, and exposure to things that we just weren't equipped to do for him. Yeah. Um, and that was after six months of the three of us being home with each other. Right. Right. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So we know he probably got <laughs> tired of seeing us as, as well. Like, you know, like we love him to death, but at the same time, it's like, you know, for your mental health and, your, and, and to do what's best for him, you got to put him out there because eventually when he grows up, he's going to have to go out there on his own anyway. So, you know, he can't be around us 24 seven. Um, and I don't want him around me 24-7. No, like, need, I, that probably need, sounds bad, but he needs, he needs his And it's for the best. Like I said, it's for the best. <laughs> like, if anything, it's counterproductive if we have him around us all the time. Um, and on top of that, not... And as much as we try to um, supply the learning... Uh, yeah, portion of him growing up we're not teachers we're not so kudos to all of you out there because it all is the way, yeah hard. we're not all the way <laughs> equipped like you know definitely props to all the teachers out there who do that and don't and, get paid and, and not lot. and not just for one kid on and top of that we're just doing it for yeah. one kid so you know sitting down and having to balance doing what I gotta do not just for work but also uh things around the house and things come up and all that type of stuff and then interjecting nap time and potty training and all that type of stuff um and trying to figure out how much tv time you should give him and things of that nature um it became a challenge for us so you know to to narrow it down to you know uh, a few days of the week we'll take that over yep what 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 was the what was going to be the alternative? So um, you I mean, know, don't that, get me wrong. I, I enjoyed but, uh, having that money in our yeah, that's true. That that Ooh. you know, childcare is expensive, and it is extremely expensive in New York. Uh-huh. For those of you who are not in New York listening to this, um, so yeah, which can lead into all other forms of conversation about cost of living and childcare and salaries and rent and everything else but but that's a little a little peek into into our experience as parents during this time and you know I think we'll expound on that as the episodes go but um, in addition to that I I would be remiss if I didn't or we didn't talk about how we got to this point and um, being home and seeing and watching what happened over the summer all all sparked from i will say 400 years of frustration but 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 really pushed over the top with the murder of George Floyd we sat here we watched the news nonstop as we generally do and 
things are going on. We want to be informed, but we watched the news, had really in-depth conversations together with loved ones, with friends, um, co-workers, and just, and kind of decided at some point, like, we had a lot to say, and we wanted to reach out further and say it to have it reach other people that maybe aren't completely in our circle. Um, and I'm not doing the whole thing justice because there's, there's so many conversations that were had and are still continuing, but, but really George Floyd's murder was the start of the, our discussion on doing something like this. And it kind of, you know, pandemic life kind of takes on a life of its own and then the insurrection happened. Um, and that really pushed it a bit more. It definitely pushed me more. I was like, no, 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 we have so much to say. We need to like get this off the ground. So those are two pivotal moments for us that brought us to record this now. Yeah. Um. I, I think I had like a lot of jumbled up feelings. It was kind of like a collage of emotions that were bubbling up inside of me and I just really didn't know the best way to express it. Like back in the day, I probably would have put, I mean, I still to an extent put um, pen to paper and write certain things um, in poetry form or in prose form, what have you, but... I felt like it was just so much that was hitting me at once because it wasn't just George Floyd, it was Ahmaud Arbery, it was Breonna Taylor, um, you know, and even going back to Trayvon Martin um, and, and just so many other um, black victims um, that have suffered at the hands of uh, authority that basically were kind of um, given a, a green light by the the remnants of white supremacy. Um, you know, people just were so afraid to even say those words or acknowledge that there's a historical uh, vestige, leftovers from years decades and centuries past that still bleeds its way into the cloth of America today um, that people just aren't willing to face and turn a blind eye to and so that's why we keep coming back to this moment in time um, because history is always grabbing onto us and we just want to look ahead and not turn and face why we are here today act like everything is okay um, and the same thing of course goes with what's going on uh, within the halls of Congress even after January the 6th because you know certain people members of a party will act like if we just move on and not confront certain things and blah 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 why are people doing that and it's that that quote unquote is dividing our country when 
know what was dividing our country is the fact that, like I said, you're not willing to face why we are where we are today. And if you're not willing to address it and confront it and have a serious sit down with it and examination and surgical procedure to excise it from your body politic, then it's going to fester and it's going to constantly be a sore that is going to come up time and time and time again. And you keep putting that bandaid over it and it bleeds through. You see that red coming through? And what do you do? You put another bandaid on it and you pile it on and on and on and on. But it's always a scab that's underneath that you know about. And so America is, you know, it's always been at that crossroads. It can choose to go left, right or what have you, but all I know is on the left side is the wrong side, and America's been going left a lot lately, and so we need to stop doing that. Um, Collectively, you know, there's a reckoning at hand, um, and we've had so many chances to address the reckoning, and I don't know how many chances we are going to get. It is a blessing in disguise that we have gotten so many chances to get it right, but many people have failed to uh, want to get it right or, um, you know, I guess kind of, um, you know, be profiles in courage, so to speak, and be the person that exercises nobility um, and exercises basically uh, a spirit of doing the right thing. So this is, I guess, what compelled us, so to speak, to want to just address those things. Like we don't necessarily have, you know, the solutions because it is not up to us to come up with those solutions. The people in power are the ones who is incumbent upon them to have the solutions because the, the oppressed have always had the burden on them of somehow saying or having someone tell them that, well, if you just wait, or why don't you come up with something, or you need to stop complaining, or you need to pull yourselves up by your bootstraps. But constantly, we've been devoid of boots. But I think, too, what it comes down to is, um, and that what we've seen with this past election is just how important elections are, right? Uh-huh. And not, and it's not, I'm not talking about, like, president most people probably vote in presidential elections they just don't vote in the smaller ones and the smaller ones within your own communities are yeah, the are the where the change people, can happen right From and the it's grassroots yep and it's about keeping these people that you put into office honest and say no we're your constituency we this is what we want from you this is why we voted for you this is what you said you were going to do and you mm-hmm. have to push because just because they're elected doesn't necessarily mean anything, right? Like, yeah. you, you need to keep the pressure on so people can actually enact that change. That's the best part. Right. <laughs> right. And so I think all of that stuff goes hand in hand, and, and perhaps some people woke up to that through this election cycle, but that needs to stay. That momentum needs to stay. Uh. You know, we can't just say, all right, well, 
we're good now for four years because that's not necessarily fact either, Mm. right? There's midterms in 2022. Mm. That's a major part of the shift in in who controls power where and Mm. and what is going to happen. People have... This is the other thing that bugs me too when we talk about elections and, and what happened a lot in this cycle is, and we're bouncing around here, but this is all part of the of our plan but there is no perfect candidate right like there is joe biden and kamala harris and there's significance there obviously and 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 having her in that position is huge Uh for for women for men for people of color like for all of that check the boxes Uh right but there's stuff that he has said that I don't necessarily agree with or you don't necessarily agree uh-huh. with but there isn't going to be that person that comes along and every person in America is going to be like yes this, mm-hmm. this is this is it we found it the mm-hmm. perfect candidate it doesn't exist mm-hmm. but what you need to do is just force the issues and you have to push it and you have to say this is what we want from you we put you here listen to us mm-hmm. and that's when you vote for your local DA, you vote for your local assembly member, your state senator, your um, your congressman, like all of these, all of these things. It, it's just, it's, it sounds so simple, but yet, like, here we are still in 2021 having these conversations, right? You mentioned it. We've had chance after chance, the we being. Americans have had this chance but we're still without equality and just general respect for people like I don't even know it's just yeah it's kind of um, falling by the wayside you ask me like um I don't know it's just like a it's almost like America's almost like just kind of threw her hands up <laughs> and just was like, well, this is where we are. What can we do about it? Um, well, but that's because that's what happens all the time. And as parents, we parents always want better for their kids, right? You want to leave the world a little bit better than when you entered into it, right? That's the old adage of, of, of generations Mm -hmm. i want it to be better well it's slightly better okay then it's better than that and it's better Mm -hmm. than that Mm -hmm. but but as parents in this moment and as parents to a biracial child i think our views on this are very different right like we don't have the luxury to not talk about things even now that he's three years old like we have had he know he hears things he sees things he understands things he knows remember when he asked me well what color am i when i was mm-hmm. talking about segregation and martin luther king jr and trying to explain it in in childlike terms and he just bluntly asked well what color am i right. and, it, and like this is this is our reality as a white mom and a black <coughs> father about how we handle these conversations with our son as he enters into a world that sorry he has just enough black in mm-hmm. him to make
make him People a threat at the, some point in his life. Drop, bro. As long as we got that one drop of black in you, you are considered black in right. the country for the most part. So. And so for Except us, if you're Tiger Woods. We can, we can devote a whole podcast yeah, to that if you want. Yeah. But. No, I'm good. <laughs> but yeah, like that is, that's another part of it. You know, we, we've seen all these things happen, which led us to this point to decide to, to record this podcast and bring our conversation mm-hmm. to this platform. It's, it's a bit of a full circle moment for us because we've talked about it for so long and, and now we're here and we're doing it and we want to talk about all of these topics. We want to talk about social justice. We want to talk about politics. We want to talk about parenting. We want to talk about New York City. We yeah, I think talk, we just basically like, just want to get in the weeds and just kind of like not dive around the issues you know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying like even if it's you know in in the most quote unquote crude way like (laughs) we just want to get into it and then we'll work out all that other stuff later whatever Mm -hmm. needs to be worked out but just the fact that we dive in and get in and get a little muddy um is fine by us Mm -hmm. I believe um Mm -hmm. because you know, it's history and current events is muddy and dirty anyway. And if you try to uh, pretend it's clean or, you know, throw a veneer over it, you still gonna step in it and sink in and you're gonna get sucked up by the quicksand. So, regardless of whatever you throw on it, I don't think it'll be strong enough to, to uh, you know, the truth is gonna come to the surface anyway is basically what I'm trying to say and if you don't face that eventually it's going to come and get you as you know as witnessed um, these past few months and as recently as January 6th when it just kind of just smacked us in the face um, and you know so it's it's basically essential that people come to terms with that even if you know, now some people, even with that information, still are in denial um, by saying that other parties or other people are responsible for that insurrection, or or, or there, there's certain false equivalencies and whataboutisms and, and things of that nature. Of course, which is not going to get us anywhere because when people do that, what they do is. Once again, they want to abdicate any responsibility or any um, uh, uh, um, blame that they know that they are guilty of. Um, but if they do that and, and and come have a come to Jesus moment, it would basically break them down and kind of inform them that, wow, maybe I was wrong all this time. But pride cometh before the fall, and I think some people would rather hold on to that pride as long as possible, regardless of how um, how uh, destructive it is to to them, and destructive destructive it is to people around them and society 
at large. So. And I, I will say my hope for this is the conversations that we have force other people to have conversations and so on. Um, we've each been a part of conversations within our organizations where we work and talking to coworkers and colleagues and trying to shift perceptions. I don't want to say change minds because that sounds a little too much, but shift perceptions and just get people to look at things outside of their bubbles and their boxes in the worlds in which they live. Because, you know, obviously for me, it's, it's about, it's about getting white people to recognize that it is not incumbent upon black people to keep fighting this fight alone. And I think that has been an issue for far too long. And we, white people, need to just have that, as Earl would like to say, come to Jesus moment (laughs) and say, you know what, maybe I'm a little uncomfortable, but this conversation is worth it. Or maybe I'm a little comfortable and maybe I don't want to admit something about white privilege, but it does exist and it is a thing. Or maybe I'm a little uncomfortable, but... Yeah, Abraham Lincoln wasn't this total savior that we all think he was, right? Like, I, I, there, there's, there's education pieces to be had here, and whether that's diving deeper into our history as a country, which I think is super important, and understanding how we got to where we are now is important, and understanding the forefathers and who they were and understanding the history of policing and understanding the history of the civil rights movement outside of just the people that we learn about in school um, is all valid and important and if anyone I know that is listening is slightly uncomfortable I will be happy with that because I think that is the only way to see actual change or to change within yourself is to sit with your discomfort and be uncomfortable and ask yourself why am I so uncomfortable what is making me feel this and it's okay to feel it like that's part of the process yeah I would think I would also put it this way like we also we always talk about uh, you know discomfort and not wanting to face certain things and resistance to change and whatever whatever but like I would ask the person who's uncomfortable with facing certain things like you are willing to change your shoes if it causes you discomfort Mm -hmm. right like if you wear size 9 but you grow you know what I'm saying like fans let me put it this way. If you wear like a size, if you, if, if a shoe is a size 10, but you know that you wear a size 11, really, something like that, you're not going to force yourself into this, into that size because it causes you discomfort. You're going to get something that you know fits your shoe. You're going to go out of your way, even if you have to go to every store. You really like these sneakers. You really like these shoes. You're going to go online. Everything you can do to possibly get that shoe that fits you. So, 
why don't we go out of our way to get education? Because I think it's more comfortable to be edified and to be illuminated on certain things instead of having to be the one that's always defiant and just being the one that just wants to be outside and be a rebel in your ignorance. Or to think that the education stops when you're not in school anymore. Exactly. Which, it, you know, which is more egregious. Like, you should know that the school system's not going to give you everything that is out there. There's things that I'm even right now as a black man in America, like, that I figure I should have known um, being who I am, that I'm just now learning about um, at my age, you know, and I'm going to be 45 soon. So, it's, you know, there, there, there's some, you know, knowing the history of this country, like, there's no vested interest in, in these people to tell you everything that there is to learn because many of them believe that if you did know everything, it's going to be an indictment on them that they're going to actually be part of, you know, the, the problems that this country faces today um, from history. Um, and, you know, because the education system is also part of the system that we are trying to expose and fight against. And not just with curriculum, but with funding and, and, yeah. and accessibility. Right. We're seeing these issues be magnified. Which connects to housing. Pandemic. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Because, you know, if you live in an affluent neighborhood or a neighborhood that um, is, 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 just flooded with money um, then of course that siphons off into the schools and then they get better equipment and better resources and books and computers and all that good stuff that people kind of take for granted that falls under the umbrella of white privilege that people it's such a integral part of their lives that they don't even see it as privilege and that is what privilege is you just think that it's the norm and it's the default and aren't these the things that are normal and this is the way it's supposed to be it's a fish basically swimming in water doesn't realize that it's surrounded by water until it gets pulled out of that water and so the thing is, a lot of black people in this country for years have been outside of that water and have been gasping for air. And so all we are looking to do is get equity and get equality um, and fairness. And, you know, some people, uh, you know, people in power in particular believe that if a segment of the population gets some semblance of dignity and 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 power that is going to somehow take away from them and so that's why they fight so hard to subjugate and oppress those people so they can't be on the level of them or or they believe that they're going to threaten what they have indulged in for uh decades and centuries which is utterly absurd um but if you're miseducated you know, the system, of course, is winning and in, in, in telling you that's the enemy. That's the people you have to watch out for. Yeah. They're coming for your jobs. They're coming for your house. They're coming for your kids. They're coming for our women. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the, this is the um, the trickery 
that has been perpetrated for years on end and you know the system is a tricky one and it's devious and it's been winning all this time and you know the thing is sometimes people allow it to win because they feel comfortable in their privilege and the trickery is that they will tell you there's no such thing as privilege but what they're doing is gaslighting you because they know they just don't want they just don't want you to know that they know and so that's the part of uh you know this this cancer that I've been um, talking about in in white supremacy um, that has to be rooted out and has been a part of the makeup of this country and is the foundation of capitalism and that's where it came from is a slave co- complex um, which of course leads into the prison complex and and. Uh, Everything is all connected. It all it, <laughs> it all connected. There's no escape from place. it. It comes back. It's it full circle. How hard you try to find because you go down a rabbit route. hole. You go down that <laughs> rabbit hole and you just try to dig your way out. But you know, you turn left, you turn right. You're like, oh, what's this? Oh, just wow, this is. Right oh, I didn't know. You know, mm-hmm. this is what it is. But you have to be willing to come to terms with that. You right. know, like it's okay to say that the system is rooted in white supremacy or the system was created for and and just go mm. down the line like mm. that's okay it is okay to admit that like it's mm-hmm. you know america was founded on stolen land mm-hmm. so like it from our very inception from the, from the start you know this is who we are as a nation and i, I just it's I, I would like to round it off by saying that people who say these things and speak out about the roots of our nation are not anti-America. Mm. We just want it to be better. Anti-lie. We just want it right. We just want it to I don't want to say be what it could be, but we just want it to be better live up to its ideals yes, that it's been espousing whole, this whole yeah, time it's like a marketing campaign and the white picket fence right the billboard the, the marketing the campaign dog. and all yeah, of that ki- yeah, kind of yeah. stuff like 3.2 if you say yeah. what you profess to be then you have to show me what you're telling me right i can only go by what i see in front of me you know cuz basically you know, you're pissing on me and telling me it's rain, <laughs> and you know it's it, you know it's just we got to get out of this, remove ourselves from this uh, romanticization of America, uh-huh. um, and you know the flowery descriptions of what it could be and 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 and, and yeah. things of that nature, and it's not, not impo- everything is rosy no like, other countries aren't so rosy either exactly I mean, we know this so like and and, and look at for, for instance look at it. look at what germany is doing with the, with people victims of the holocaust you know mm-hmm. like you don't see them putting up statues of confederate generals and, and and putting up you know uh naming monuments and landmarks after people who subjugated people who thought that certain people were lesser than them um, and held them in bondage, but yet somehow we just have this problem with getting away from these people and putting them up on a pedestal of nobility and 
and, and grace, which is is totally antithetical to what America professes itself to be, land of the free, home of the brave. And these people were not brave and they certainly did not believe that all people should be free. So that's that's the irony and the contradiction that uh, America has to constantly tussle with, which it doesn't necessarily have to be in that position, but it always w- seems like it wants to be in that position. It's fighting a losing fight. It's fighting for something that makes no sense to fight over, you know? And it, it it's just something that it just boggles my mind. It's just, I find it funny and not a high highway, but just in a per- mind perplexing kind of a fashion. And it's just uh, something that we just really need to come to terms with and, and get out of. Yeah. So. so that's us in a nutshell. That's, this is what we want to do. Have conversations. Um, and for those who are listening, thank you. And want to hear from you too we want to hear well what we should talk about what you want to hear um t- we we obviously have themes and topics that we want to cover just from our day-to-day lives but we're open to to what you want to hear as well Holla. so yeah. since yeah so we're gonna sign off this first episode <clears throat> In the great borough of Queens, where we live, and um, great place to visit. It's the world's borough. Like, get over it, man. I don't know who told you that. It is. Who told you that? It's on the signs when you enter Queens. Says, oh, welcome to the world's borough. Yeah, there's no bias there. You're right. But we are, because there's so many languages from... spoken here. Like. Mm. We can, we'll yeah. bring, okay, we're yeah, going to, this is now going to be a topic for another yeah. episode. You go to every party. About. We're Brooklyn. <laughs> we're Brooklyn everywhere. We'll be on Mars. Exactly. But anyway. Anyway. Whatever. I think Mr. Nasir Jones would agree with my assessment on. Yeah, but he wouldn't be anywhere without Jay-Z. So anyway. Oh my God. This is, this is. So, yeah, this is uh-huh. us. This okay. is a day in the life of us and our constant battles. Spread love. It's the Brooklyn way. <laughs> and we will get Earl to never sing again. But, um. <laughs> so now that we've gone completely off the rails, um, yeah, I'm Nicole. I'm Earl. And we're the Poisers. And this was the first episode of the mix-up. The mix-up. Bye.